Today I'd like for you to take the Word of God, please, and turn to Genesis chapter 7. And we'll begin reading in verse number 11. Genesis chapter 7 and verse number 11. And we'll read on through uh, to Genesis chapter 8 and verse 1. The very first part of verse number 1 of chapter 8. And while you're turning in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 7, I'd like to give a special greeting to our children this morning and our young people. I hope that I remember them all, but I want to say good morning to all the children and to all the young people, Gavin and Ella and Cole. I think about Jude this morning. Good morning, Jude. And for Lydia and Olivia and Andrew and also Aria. Good morning, Aria. And we miss you. Uh, Lizabella and Bear. Uh, Joy. I think about Emily. Emily, good morning, Emily. I hope you're uh, able to listen in or watch on Facebook Live. I'm glad you made it out of bed this morning. Uh, Connor, Kate, uh, Bo, Allison, and Benjamin. Thank you so much for uh, tuning in and for our young people and for our, our children. Now, folks, you might wonder what can we do uh, during this time. You know, I don't like to look at what cannot be done. I, look at, I like to look at what can be done. One of the things that you can do is you can invite people to listen in or watch on Facebook Live. And, and uh, as we broadcast this, uh, if you're watching on uh, social media, Facebook Live, uh, you can like and share, and that will reach people uh, that we uh, that otherwise may not uh, listen in to one of our church services. So like and share this uh, with others, and that is something we can do during this unusual time. In Genesis chapter 7 and verse number 11, the Word of God says, In the 600th year of Noah's life, in the second month, the 17th day of the month, the same day were all the mountains of the great deep broken up, and the windows of heaven were opened, and the rain was upon the earth forty days and forty nights. And the selfsame day entered Noah and Shem and Ham and Japheth, the sons of Noah, and Noah's wife and his three wives of his sons with them, into the ark. They and every beast after his kind, and all the cattle after their kind, and every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth after his kind, and every fowl after his kind, every bird of every sort. And they went in unto Noah into the ark, two and two of all flesh, wherein is the breath of life. And they that went in, went in male and female of all flesh, as God had commanded him. And the Lord shut him in. And the flood was forty days upon the earth, and the waters increased, and bare up the ark, and it was lift up above the earth. And the waters prevailed and were increased greatly upon the earth. And the ark went up upon the face of the waters. And the waters prevailed exceedingly upon the earth, and all the high hills that were under the whole heaven were covered. Fifteen cubits upward did the waters prevail, and the mountains were covered. And all flesh died that moved upon the earth, both of fowl and of cattle and of beast and of every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth, and every man, all in whose nostrils was the breath of life. Of all that was in the dry land died, and everything, uh, every living substance was destroyed, which was upon the face of the ground, both man and cattle and creeping things and the fowl of heaven, and uh, were, they were destroyed from the earth, and Noah only remained alive, and they that were with him in the ark. And the waters prevailed upon the earth in hundred and fifty days. And this is the phrase that I'd like you to take note of this morning in chapter 8 and verse number 1, and God remembered Noah. We'd like to take the next few weeks uh, to cover a series of messages titled, God Remembered Noah. This will be part one of that installment. So if you're taking notes today, uh, the title of today's message, 
God remembered Noah, and this will be part number one. We join me as we pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your goodness. And Father, I pray that you would speak to our hearts concerning the things we find in your word. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to come uh, to your word expecting, as it is opened and as it is preached, expecting an act of God to take place. Lord, I pray that uh, our folks would be able to set everything aside that might distract them during this time. We might be tempted to do other things while we listen into the service, but I pray, Lord, that this, this one day a week that we would set aside and we would sit down and we would allow the Word of God to penetrate our hearts and Lord, that we would expect you to, uh, to speak to us just as if we had assembled together uh, in the church building. God, I pray that you'd bless our time together. Help me, Lord. Uh, I, I feel distracted myself. I pray that you'd quiet my soul. And Father, I ask that you'd cause it to be, uh, that you'd do a mighty work, and that you'd be glorified in all that is said and done. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. I think in order to communicate this message properly, we're going to have to take a deeper look into this biblical event of the worldwide deluge and what we have grown up in church learning about Noah's Ark. So if you will, please take your Bibles and turn back to Genesis chapter 6. Genesis chapter 6, and we'll look at verses number 5 through 15, the first part of verse number 15. But notice with me, if you will, in Genesis chapter 6 and verse number 5, And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him at his heart. And the Lord said, I will destroy man and whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast and creeping thing and of the fowls of the air. For it repenteth me that I have made them. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a just man and perfect in his generations. And Noah walked with God. And Noah begat three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. The earth also was corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence. And God looked upon the earth, and behold, it was corrupt. For all flesh had corrupted his way upon the earth. And God said unto Noah, The end of all flesh is come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them. And behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Make thee an ark of gopher wood. Rooms shalt thou make in the ark, and shalt pitch it within and without with pitch. And this is the fashion which thou shalt make it of. And so in Genesis 6 and verse number 16, God delivers some design specifications for the ark. In verse number 17, the word of God says, And behold, God speaking again to Noah, Even I do bring a flood of waters upon the earth to destroy all flesh, wherein is the breath of life from under heaven, and every living thing that is in the earth shall die. In verses 18 through 21, God establishes a covenant with Noah, and he gives him some instruction as to who, that is, he and his family, what and how many and what kind of the animals that would be brought into the ark, and the food for his family and his animals uh, that uh, would be together uh, in the ark. In Genesis 6.22, the word of God says, Thus did Noah, according to all that God commanded him, so did he. Now at this point in Genesis 7 and 8, uh, this event begins to be told in greater detail. 
Uh, there's information about the uh, various animals brought on board. Also very specific uh, accounting regarding the precise dates uh, when certain events relating uh, to the flood took place. And I'd like to give you just a, a brief summary of the things that led up to, through, and beyond where we have already read from God's Word this morning. Uh, in Genesis chapter 7, Noah entered the ark. Uh, the Bible records that he was over 600 years old. Seven days after Noah entered the ark, the rain began to fall. Uh, then the rain fell, we see in Genesis 7:12 for uh, 40 days and 40 nights. The Bible tells us the fountains of the great deep, they're broken up and they're bursting forth with water. All living creatures on dry land are wiped out. Water covered the earth for 150 days. And then finally the flood waters recede and the ark comes to rest on the mountains of Ararat in Genesis 8.4. 74 days later, the tops of the mountains become visible. 40 days after that, uh, Noah sends out a raven in Genesis chapter 8, verses 6 and 7. And then on three different occasions, Noah sends out a dove. The third time, the dove did not re return. We presume that the dove had found lodging uh, in a tree somewhere. And uh, then two weeks later, Noah sees dry land for the first time uh, in, all that, in all that time on the ark. We find that in Genesis 8.13. But it's interesting that Noah stayed in the ark an additional 57 days until the Lord instructed him to leave. And we find that in Genesis chapter 8 and verses 14 through 19. Now if we add all of that up, Noah spent one year and 17 days in the ark. Now that's a long time in a limited space with your wife, your children, your in-laws. All of those animals and all of the stores that they had to take for the journey. That was a long time. There's no luxury cruise. There was uh, not a heated swimming pool. There wasn't uh, shuffleboard courts. There were no movies or entertainment, uh, no fancy buffets. There was nothing to do but uh, stay in that boat while it floated on the surface of worldwide floodwaters. I'd like you to imagine, if you can, in your mind's eye, bobbing up and down in the waves and as you do that, I, I would have to imagine that one day just kind of fades into another. Perhaps you couldn't see the sun because the moisture-laden cloud cover. Uh, there was no course to set or to follow. They're just kind of drifting on the surface of endless water. And then the message of chapter 8 is given, and it's what makes such an impact in our lives. God remembered Noah. Now, when our text tells us that God remembered Noah, it doesn't imply to us that, that God had forgotten about him. It simply means that in the midst of the great flood, God kept his promises. In all the death and destruction, God remembered to have mercy on and to show grace to those eight people floating in an ark with all of those animals. Now, as we think about this, I believe it's possible that after so much time, Noah in his humanity may have felt like God had forgotten him. I think these types of thoughts are not uncommon uh, to be found in God's Word. For example, in Psalm chapter 42 and verses 9 and 10, the psalmist David wrote, I will say unto God my rock, why hast thou forgotten me? Why go I mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? As with a sword in my bones, mine enemies reproach me. 
while they say daily unto me, Where is thy God? I thought about also the psalmist in Psalm chapter 77 in verses 7 through 9 where the word of God says, Will the Lord cast off forever? Will he be favorable no more? Is his mercy clean gone forever? Doth his promise fail forevermore? Hath God forgotten to be gracious? Hath he in his anger shut up his tender mercies? I think about Isaiah chapter 49, which says, Zion said, The Lord hath forsaken me, and my Lord hath forgotten me. Did, uh, did not God in the flesh himself, the Lord Jesus Christ, cry out as he prayed, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? You know, I think it's possible that after so much time that Noah may have felt forgotten by God. But thank the Lord we have that message of the message of Genesis chapter 8 and verse number 1, which tells us very distinctly, very clearly, God remembered Noah. And so we see that, that message of hope. In the midst of judgment, God remembers his mercy and his grace. And so as we go into this series of messages, I'd like to ask this question, how did God remember Noah? How did God remember Noah? And I think we see several things from this passage of Scripture. I've enjoyed reading through it just recently, studying through this passage of Scripture again, and I've, I've found some things. And I believe uh, that this message is a great message for this time in which we're encountering. But how... How did God remember Noah? Well, first of all, we'll look at how God remembered Noah by giving him instructions for building an ark. God remembered Noah by giving him instructions for building an ark. Look back at Genesis chapter 6 and verse number 8. The word of God says, But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Now, in the midst of a completely corrupt generation, we read through that just a moment ago, Noah stood out and God took note. From the very beginning, man had the promise of the Redeemer and he was told that there was a coming Savior. We find that all the way back in Genesis chapter 3 and verse number 15 where God said to the devil, I will put enmity between thee and the woman, between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head and thou shalt bruise his heel. And that is the thing man should have been looking for. But instead of that, he turned from God and he went his own way. I don't think the people in our day and age are much different. We seek things, theories, thrills, when we should be seeking the truth. And I think you understand that the truth is the Lord Jesus Christ himself. He's the only way to have a relationship with God in time and a home in God's presence for eternity when life is over. What a testimony that Noah had. In Genesis chapter 6 and verse number 9, we have this record. Noah was a just man and perfect in his generations, and Noah walked with God. What a contrast to the world around him at that time. What a contrast. No wonder why God remembered Noah. Now, before Noah knew the means by which God would destroy all flesh, God gave him the means by which he would be delivered from it. I think that's a wonderful a picture of the mercy and grace of God, how that before... He reveals the means by which he would destroy the earth. He revealed the means by which Noah and his family would be delivered from it. I wanted to show you this in Genesis chapter 6 and verse number 14. The word of God says, uh, 
uh, I'm, yeah, here it is. I was in the wrong chapter. Make thee an ark of gopher wood. And he goes on to explain a little bit about it. But then it's not until verse number 17 that God said to Noah, I, even I, do bring a flood of waters upon the earth to destroy all flesh. And so the means by which would God, God would destroy the earth was not revealed until God gave him the means, Noah the means, by which he would be delivered from it. And that made me to think about how God's plan from the very beginning, before even the creation of man, the Lamb of God was slain from the foundation of the world. How that the means by which we would be delivered uh, from sin and from death was revealed before uh, the creation of man and before the uh, revelation of how all flesh would be destroyed if they did not place their faith and trust in the means by which God gave them to be delivered. Now, notice chapter 6 again, Genesis chapter 6 and verse number 15. It says, Make thee an ark of gopher wood. Rooms shalt thou make in the ark, and shalt pitch it within and without with pitch. Now, I think it is important to note that in remembering Noah, God gave all people everywhere ample opportunity to respond. I had never thought of this until recently, that as Noah built that massive, that massive seagoing vessel, there's no way, I, I, I was privileged to be a part of the building of, of the USS Jefferson City uh, in uh, Rose, uh, not Roosevelt, Rhodes, uh, in uh, Hampton Roads, Virginia. I was in the shipyard with the ship, it was newly commissioned. And I got to see the process by which a ship is built. And there's just absolutely uh, the scale of the ship that God gave uh, to Noah to build, the specification. I don't believe there's any possible way uh, that Noah could have done that with just he and his sons. And so that would mean, that would indicate to me that he had to hire other men, uh, other skilled tradesmen that would be able to help him in the in the fashioning of this boat that God gave, the specifications that God gave to Noah to build. And so all of this ample opportunities, these people working with Noah throughout this period of time to build this, this vessel by which he and his family would be delivered. But God gave everybody ample opportunity everywhere uh, to be saved from the deluge that was coming. Um, I, now I've read that this gopher wood that the ark was made of, and the pitch that was used to to uh, to cover it and to walk, make it watertight, were in ample supply, and so not only an ample supply of materials to build with, but also mentioned this just a moment ago, an ample ample time, uh, ample amount of time uh, for people to respond and to to be part of the uh, of the passengers on that on that ark. Uh, the Bible tells us that God gave mankind the time limit of 120 years to get right. They gave him 120 years. Verse number 3 of Genesis chapter 6 says, And the Lord God said, My spirit shall not always strive with man, for that he also is flesh, yet his days shall be 120 years. And so for 120 years, the ark was being prepared. For 120 years, every chip of the axe and every striking of the hammer uh, was, was a message to those people that watched this spectacle going on as Noah preached repentance toward God 
and faith toward the Lord Jesus Christ. In 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse number 20, the Word of God says, Once the long-suffering of God waited in the days of Noah, the long-suffering of God, while the ark was preparing, wherein few, that is, eight souls were saved by water. They had ample opportunity to get into the ark. And so there's ample opportunity for people today to get into the ark, the Lord Jesus Christ. The Word of God records the physical building of this thing, of Noah uh, and his sons, who, and those that he hired to build this ark to save them alive, uh, to save the species of animals alive, and so forth. Uh, but it was just a picture of the ark of the Lord Jesus Christ. And just as Noah and his family and those species that boarded the ark were saved alive, so those that board uh, on to into the Lord Jesus Christ shall be saved. And there's ample opportunity for everybody everywhere to come to faith in Christ. Uh, there was ample opportunity uh, for those uh, all around Noah to, to place their faith in the Word of God and to do what Noah uh, said that they ought to do, but nobody did. I think that's an amazing thing. I think we overlook the fact that, uh, that Noah didn't live in a vacuum. He had family. He had friends. He had people that were close to him, neighbors, loved ones. I'm sure uh, that there were many uh, beside, obviously, Noah and his sons and their wives and Noah's wife that were on the ark. There were many that perished in that flood that had to have some kind of impact upon Noah and his family to see all, the, all that death and destruction as they uh, were lifted up, as the floodwaters uh, increased, they were lifted up. Uh, to heaven, toward the heavens, upon the top of the waters. What, what, a, what a thought. But there's ample opportunity uh, for people to come uh, into the ark, and so there's ample opportunity today for you to come to faith in Jesus Christ. Perhaps you've already done that. Perhaps you've already placed your faith in Christ alone as your only hope of a relationship with God and a home in His presence for eternity. But you know, there was also ample opportunity for them to be a faithful witness I think about uh, Noah's faithfulness for 120 years. Can you imagine? For 120 years, no converts. Noah preached. Noah preached repentance toward God and faith toward, toward the coming Messiah. And not one single convert. I think it's important for us to recognize and remember this morning those that have boarded the ark, the Lord Jesus Christ, and are in Christ, and Christ is in us that uh, some are going to believe, some will believe, but the fact is most will not believe. One of the indicators we have of that is found in Matthew chapter 7, verse number 14, where the Word of God reminds us, Narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. But we can't, we can't be distracted by that. We have, to, we have to continue on. We have to continue to live lives that are pleasing to the Lord. I want to, to encourage the believer this morning to say, listen, the whole world is watching, especially now. They're watching. Uh, they're watching to see how we're going to respond uh, to this, uh, this pandemic that's going around. They're watching to see uh, if our faith is real or if it's just something that we put on and took off. I think they'll be waiting to see when all of this passes and it's time for us to return back to our normal lives. I think the neighbors will be waiting to see where, whether or not we'll go back to church. They're waiting to see, is this thing real in their lives? And there's ample opportunity for us to be faithful witnesses. 
I know that we've been encouraged to socially distance ourselves, and I, I think it's wise to follow the direction of our, of our government and our, and our officials. I think the Word of God indicates to us that we ought to do those things. But let's not look at what we cannot do. Let's try to take a look at what we can do. Uh, what can we do for the cause of Christ during this time? What opportunities can we take so that others might come to faith uh, in the Lord Jesus Christ, despite our ability uh, to carry on as we normally have in the past. But I want to just leave you with that thought this morning. God remembered Noah by giving him instructions to build an ark. And by way of conclusion and invitation this morning, I'd like to ask you this question. What instructions has God remembered us by this morning? What thing is it that he would want us to carry on and to do this morning? Now, if you're listening to the broadcast this morning, and there's not been a time that you can remember in your life, I'm not necessarily saying a, a date or a day, but there's not a time, a moment in time when you can remember having placed your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ alone as your only hope of a relationship with God and a home in His presence for eternity, then I think the instruction that God would have you to listen to today, the instruction that He would want you to remember Him by and that He would remember you by this morning, if you've not placed your faith in Christ, remember this instruction, an instruction we find in the Old Testament, Isaiah chapter 45 and verse number 22, where the Word of God says, Be ye saved, all the ends of the earth, for I am God, and there is none else. There's no, under, no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Uh, the Word of God tells us in the book of John in chapter 1, it gives us the equation for salvation. Uh, it says in John chapter 1, I'm going to turn there. You can turn there if you like as well. John chapter 1 and verse number 1 and, and verse number 12. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. So there we see an equation. We see that we must believe and we see that we must receive. We must believe what the Bible says about the Word of God. By faith, we have to take God at His Word, just like Noah had to take God at His Word and follow the instructions of God as God spoke to him. We have God's written Word. It's, uh, the Bible is God's complete revelation of, of Himself to man. And we've been told this equation is that we must believe, we must take God at His Word uh, about the person of Christ, that Jesus is God in the flesh, and the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as the, as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and of truth, truth, the Word of God, the living Word of God is the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we must take God at His Word, we must believe Him, uh, what He says about Jesus being God in the flesh, not only the person of Christ, but the passion of Christ. Believing that what Jesus did by his shed blood, his death, burial, and his resurrection was sufficient to satisfy the wrath of God. And if you're not uh, sure this morning that if you died, you'd spend eternity in God's presence, if there's never been a time when you've placed your faith in Christ alone, I want to tell you this morning that you're condemned already. That's what the Word of God says to us in John chapter 3 and verse number 18. We're condemned already. The wrath of God hangs over the head of those who have not placed their faith in Christ. And it's imperative that you follow the instruction of God to believe 
on the Lord Jesus Christ so that, uh, so that you won't perish and there won't be a worldwide flood again. God gave his promise. Anytime that you see a rainbow, that's the, the symbol the, uh, of God's promise, the covenant of God's promise to mankind that he would never destroy the earth by flood again. But there's coming a day of destruction and it's destruction by fire. And all of them that do not place their faith in Christ and Christ alone as their only hope of relationship with God and a home in His presence for eternity will face everlasting destruction and everlasting fire. Uh, those without Christ, are, they're without hope. They're dead already in their trespasses and their sins. And they need to place their faith. They need to follow the instructions of God to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ so that they might be saved. Back in John 1, 12, it says, Believe and receive. Well, I tell you, I think a lot of people miss this. I think it's why the Word of God tells us that there are so few that find the, the way to God, to life everlasting, is because they have it in their head, but it doesn't make its way to their heart. And that's, that's what the word receive means. It's not an academic knowledge about God. It's, it's a belief from the heart about the person of Christ and the passion of Christ, the work of Christ, that, that it's finished, that all the work that needs to be done in order for a person to have a relationship with God has been done by Christ. And we've got to receive that, not into our heads, but into our hearts, uh, to take that by faith and to say, I believe it with not my head. I've got the information and that's important. We must acquire the information. But that information needs to make it down into your heart. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. With the mouth confession is made unto salvation. And if you're here this morning, if you're listening this morning, and you've not yet placed your faith in Christ alone, I would ask you, I'd beg you, I'd invite you to receive the instruction of God. And uh, from the heart, believe and receive the Lord Jesus Christ, so that you can become a child of God. That's John 1.12 in a nutshell. Now, verse number 13 is an interesting verse also in John chapter 1. It says, which were born not of blood. Well, you cannot be born into a Christian family. Uh, if, your, uh, if your grandparents uh, were Christians, if your grandfather was a pastor, it doesn't matter. You cannot be born into a Christian uh, family. It doesn't matter. It's a good thing. Don't get me wrong. But, but we don't become a Christian by being born into a Christian family. The uh, Word of God goes on there in verse number 13 to say, nor of the will of the flesh. We can't work it up. We can't hope it uh, within us. There, there's no good works that we can do. For by grace are you saved through faith, and not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Folks, there's going to be no boasting in heaven. The ground is, is level at the foot of the cross. There is no work that can be done to earn salvation. The Word of God goes on to say there in Genesis, John chapter 1, verse 13, Nor of the will of man. Mother and father can't do it for you. There's nothing that somebody else can impose upon you that would make you saved. It's not by the will of man, but it says, but of God. And it's God's work and it's God's way. And we've got to take God at his instruction that it's that every soul is accountable themselves unto God. And each individual must place their faith and take God at his word and, and follow his instructions of how to be saved. Maybe you're here this morning. That would be the instruction I would take from this, that God wants you to be saved. Be ye saved, all ye ends of the earth, for I am God, and there is none else. But then, Lord, maybe you're here this morning. You've placed your faith in Christ alone. You're listening. And this is the instruction I believe we could be comforted with from God. 
And it's found in Proverbs chapter 3 and verses 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. I, I don't know if you're afraid. I don't know if you're fearful. I don't know if you're wondering what the future might hold. Listen, there's no way for us to know that. But there is a way for us to know uh, the, the God who holds the future. And we can place our trust and our faith in Him. And I think the instruction that the believer might find a comfort this morning will be found in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. And then also this instruction, we find it in five different places in the Word of God, and it's the Great Commission. And as we, as we face uncertain days, we, we, we shouldn't look at what cannot be done. We ought to look at what we can do and what we can do to continue to, to preach and, and to teach the, the things of the Bible so that we can be an encouragement to others as well. Maybe there's something else. I want to encourage you that after we, uh, we conclude this time together, that you might just have a quiet family time, that you might gather together and pray and say, Lord, would you show us would you show us what instruction it is that we might be neglecting from your word? Is there anything, Lord? Is there something? And just open your heart and allow God to examine it. And take that quiet time to meet together. And then to meet as, or to go and, and, and pray as individuals. And allow the Lord to reveal to you something, some way, some instruction that he has in his word. That he's remembering you by and that he wants you to remember him by as well. God remembered Noah by giving him instructions to build an ark. We'll continue next week with this message and part two. God remembered Noah by inviting him into the ark. Will you join me as we pray? Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for this day. We thank you for the opportunity to open your word. And God, I pray that, that we would be uh, very faithful to uh, reading and meditating upon the instructions that you've given to us from your word, even as we face uncertain times, uncertain days, and life has become strange. It's unusual for us, Father, and I. but I pray that despite our circumstances, we would uh, continue to seek your word and seek your face through your word, that we might know how we ought to behave ourselves, Lord, as we, as we go day by day, following your instructions. We thank you. We praise you. We ask your blessing on our time together. In Jesus' name, amen.